Twitter goes down, Netflix is on the verge of tragedy in an exciting interview with Dala Alfuerez. Welcome to Working Girl Talk. Welcome back to Working Girl Talk. Hope you had an awesome holiday weekend. And thank you for being patient while we took a little holiday break last weekend. Hope you enjoyed the holiday. It's a really exciting episode today. I'm so excited for my interview with Dala Alfuerez. So because of that interview, we're going to cut our news today a little bit short. I'm going to go through it a little bit quicker than usual. But there are a few things you need to know about this week, although a lot happened this week. I'm just doing two stories today, and then we're going to dive right into the interview. So let's get started. Twitter went down this week. What? Twitter has failed us. Twitter is usually, if you are a listener to the show, always our fail safe whenever all the other social media giants go down and this week Twitter failed us. So on Thursday Twitter went down for an hour showing a message that read um, something is wrong and nothing was loading which was causing people to freak out because that is usually the place they go and everything else breaks down so where do you go when Twitter's out? Twitter claimed that it was a quote internal configuration change so they must be doing some changes on their end and we'll be on the lookout for more news like this hopefully this is the last one for a while recently they did have some trouble with their direct messaging feature so hopefully this is the last hiccup for a while and we can just move on with our lives. <laughs> and story number two, Forbes released an article this week titled Netflix's Worst Nightmare Has Come True. As I'm sure you've heard, if you've been watching the news recently, you're reading any of the news, the, the Office and Friends, two pop, really popular shows on Netflix, will be leaving the platform because all of the owners of these external shows are starting their own streaming platforms. So it's a really interesting article by Forbes. I'm obviously not going to read you the whole thing, but basically they're just talking about how Netflix built their whole empire on getting these contracts with shows that they didn't make, like The Office or Parks and Recreation, things like that. And that's a lot of what gets watched and now these networks are coming back and are going to make their own streaming platform so for all my office fans out there and all my friends fans we only have a little bit more time maybe a year to keep watching our shows so because all of these like nbc universe nbc universal all these other platforms are going to be sprouting up from these major networks which in my personal opinion, I'm not going to pay for a million network streaming services. That was the beauty of Netflix in the first place. So I'm really interested to see how this is going to end up being because are people going to go back to traditional cable? Because the whole reason why Netflix was created and exists and thrived was because it was allowing people to cut cable and still watch shows that they love. So which at least Netflix has been creating a lot of original content that's been really successful. So at least they have that going for them. But I don't know without the office and parks and recreation i don't know which they haven't formally released parks and recreation as far as i've heard i've only heard of uh, the office being um given back to nbc universal but i mean it's nbc so they'll probably take that back too so just a weird development in this whole streaming service tv saga you know i love talking about my tv so we'll be on the lookout for that but in the meantime enjoy the shows while you have them and that is our news update for the week. Next week, uh, I'll have a, a bit more since it's been a while, but I really want to dive into today's interview. So 
Dala Alfueras is the owner of FJI Design, a hospitality interior design studio located in Scottsdale, Arizona, with a specialty for food and beverage environments. Dala has a unique and fascinating story to get where she is today, including a childhood during the Gulf War, a strong passion for education, which led her to being an adjunct professor at Arizona State University. And now as a business owner, she helps other business owners get creative and find their path in their own businesses. She has a passion for teaching and helping others and enjoys creating moments that last a lifetime in these spaces. I admire her and respect her so much. She's an awesome lady and her passion and work ethic are just amazing to me. So I super enjoyed getting to talk to her this week and I hope you enjoy my interview with her. So without further ado, enjoy my interview with Dala Alfuerez. My name's Dala and I am an interior designer. I own a boutique interior design firm with a sweet spot for bars and restaurants here in the valley mostly, but I am trying to expand into the world. Love it, love it, love it. So you have a really interesting journey to where you got today and a really interesting path. So we're gonna go back in time a little bit today. So we're gonna go back to where you grew up, your childhood. Can you give us just a little bit of background on that? So right from the beginning. Oh, very beginning. Okay, so I was born in Kuwait. Um, My father's Kuwaiti, my mom is Palestinian, and we lived there for a few years and then moved to a little island called the Kingdom of Bahrain. It's literally a kingdom, and we lived there for, oh, I don't know, 10 years, moved back to Kuwait, and then the invasion hit. You, I don't know if you were born then or if you remember no, this. No, I wasn't. Yeah, so give us background because sure. a lot of our demographic might not even know like what that the Gulf, the Gulf War, War was. Yeah. yeah, sure. So the Gulf War was when Iraq invaded Kuwait in 1990. Mm-hmm. And we happened to be on a business trip with my dad. So we were just little kids following along. Mm-hmm. And we happened to be there the time that Iraq invaded Kuwait. Wow. So we were stuck. And that is crazy. Literally separated from my mom for the next I think it was nine or ten months wow yeah and she had no idea if we were dead alive oh my goodness we had no telecommunication yeah wow that is so crazy I can't even imagine what that is like especially like on your mom's side there's no because there's back then there's like no social media there's no are there even cell phones at this time god I don't I don't think there were honestly I just remember the the landline yeah (laughs) they were were probably the brick phones Mm -hmm. yeah probably yeah wow that is crazy yeah so um after the invasion you know we're, we're very thankful to the U.S. for helping free the country but when we were freed my dad decided that we were going to be ultra patriotic and like stay in our home base and not move back to Bahrain. Um, but in the interim, while Kuwait was picking back up mm-hmm. economy-wise, we moved to London and lived there oh, for cool. a year. So cool. yeah, I've kind of been in a couple of places. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. How does that affect you later on? Anything that sticks out that like you still like take with you today? Yeah, honestly, I'm sure it does in my everyday, but I'm just not aware or conscious of it Mm -hmm. I think more than anything it um, has made me feel like I can handle any situation that comes my way Mm -hmm. because not too many people can say I've lived through war 
like literally seen the army and hid in basements and you know I mean it's just bizarre and I'm sometimes surprised that I went through that I I forget I tend to forget but yeah I think it just makes me think very positively all the time and if anything does come my way that requires a little bit of perseverance then I'm prepared for it how do we get the jump from moving to London Uh to now I'm sure there's a ton of steps in there basically what I'm getting at is did you always know you wanted to like run your own business or be in this design field so like where does that kind of start happening yeah this childhood that's a good question no I did not think I was going to run my own business because back home it's all about like having a really successful career climbing the ladder for your entire life and so it wasn't programmed in my mind that mm-hmm. that was even an option but when I graduated high school in Kuwait um, I came to the U.S. for college and went to Arizona State University yeah love the sun levels <laughs> um, and I studied interior design and fell in love with really everything about the states. I loved the freedom. I loved really the competitive nature of the industry, the challenge that it gave me. And plus I met a boy, <laughs> a man, and I we married and I decided I would stay here in, in the U.S. So that, yeah, I've been here for 17, 18 years now. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Were you always fascinated with design, like specifically interior, or did it kind of come in other ways first? I think it came to me in two ways. And this is all like deep subconscious, but then it mm-hmm. unravels itself later in mm-hmm. life. But my dad used to love rearranging our home mm-hmm. every so often. And I think I was just fascinated that he took that on instead of my mom. Um, and he was really creative. And then my mom and dad used to host a lot of entertainment and parties for their friends. And at one of their parties, they had a like a fortune teller. And he told me that I was going to be an architect. So I actually went to ASU and enrolled in the architecture program. That's cool. (laughs) And I think it's because he just planted that seed years ago and I thought, that's my destiny. That's what I'm (laughs) supposed to do. So I went to architecture school and then I, you know, I got exposure to some of the interior designers and I thought, that's what I really want to do. So I left the architecture program and joined Mm -hmm. interiors. That is so cool. (laughs) That's awesome. So I know you actually ended up getting into the education side at ASU later on. Did you, like upon graduation, did Mm -hmm. you kind of know like, oh, I want to go work for a company or like, what was that? step like that took you back to ASU eventually? Yeah. So I I graduated and knew that I wanted to work in the industry. And then I decided that I wanted to go back into academics and actually teach design. But to do that, I had to get my master's. Mm -hmm. So I enrolled at Purdue University in Indiana and got my master's of fine arts and interior design and then came back to Arizona. And there was no full-time professor position available. So Mm -hmm. I took a, what they call an adjunct position where I would come in and and, uh, teach part-time. So I did that alongside working full-time. And I was adamant that one day I was definitely going to be a full-time instructor. (laughs) Um, But then at my last job prior to starting my company, I was hired on as a design director to start a design department for an architecture firm that had never had one. Oh, cool. And when I started the department, I thought, no, this is really what I want to do. (laughs) And so one year through my position there um, at the firm, I found out that the, or we were informed that the owner of the firm was diagnosed with leukemia and had to shut down the firm essentially. Mm -hmm. So I had three months to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Mm -hmm. And that's when my firm was born. Awesome. Very cool. Going back a little bit, what's it like trying to like just 
take off the ground a new department, like mm-hmm. an entirely new department in a company? Because I'm sure that could be relatable to a lot of people listening, like whether it's in design or not. What I had to my benefit was an architect with a very well-known name. And so mm-hmm. we already had an established, um, I guess you could call client base. So it was really a matter of building the standards for the design department. That was really my primary focus. Um, so I would say I was lucky in that I had access to clientele. I just had to develop the standards. And then I had to grow the team and find the right talent. So I would say that's what I spent most of my time doing. Cool. Yeah. So on the talent front, which I'm sure is helpful for you now running your own business, yeah. what do you look for in somebody that like wants to join your team or even be a part of like the design world? Like, What are you looking for? I think that's changed over the years, honestly. Mm-hmm. Not until I built my own firm have I started to look at it differently. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking for passionate people that love doing what we do. They don't have to have a degree if they've got the skill set and the talent and the program knowledge that we have to have, then I'll, I'll go for it because really I just want a passionate group of people that love coming to work every day. Mm-hmm. Going back to this journey, this timeline that we're on. So starting your firm now, immediately when it was kind of like those three months to kind mm-hmm. of figure out what happened, like, hey, I should start my own or was there a little bit of hesitation with that or how did that kind of oh, come about? Yeah. Yes, tons of hesitation because, like I mentioned earlier, that was not taught to me that Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship was even an option. I I was just building towards a very successful career and that's all Mm -hmm. I had in mind. But my husband paired up with one of his best friends and kind of had an intervention with me. (laughs) They said, you know, you just started a design department for an architecture firm. What makes you think you can't do this for yourself? Mm -hmm. And I think that was the key to, you know, like getting in my brain and letting me think about it more seriously. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's, that's really cool. <laughs> and that's always cool to see too, like just see that you have people like cheering you on. I think yeah. sometimes people, like you don't see what others see in you sometimes too. That's and I think totally that it. probably yeah. is that. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. So kind of going back to the education side, I feel like just like watching you on social media, like that's something that's still important to you, educating, yeah. which is really cool. Cause like just looking at your social media and your website, the YouTube yeah. channel, like how you have that dine and design mm-hmm. segment. Can you talk a little bit about that and where yeah. that came from? Sure. You just gave me goosebumps because I had this realization really just two weeks ago that, <laughs> oh my gosh, education's coming back into my life in a different form. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, traditionally design is really aesthetics only, but I found a gap in the market where really what we do, I feel like interior design is not a good enough label because we're designing experiences. Well, mm-hmm. at least what we do is we try to look at the whole holistic experience. Mm-hmm. And so I found that that message was really hard to send in one concise sentence. Mm -hmm. So I started creating videos, really educating people on different things, everything from how to lay out your floor plan to how to create a good concept to menu design psychology tricks that get people to order more. I mean, Mm -hmm. really, it's all across the board and it's stuff we're doing every day. Started creating these videos and what was really awesome is that I realized two weeks ago that, hey, this is kind of me playing teacher again, but it's also following in the footsteps of my mom and grandma who were both in broadcasting and they were kind of disappointed that I didn't take that route, but it's making its way into what I do. On that, can you talk about your mom and your grandma? Yes, so my mom's side is Palestinian, but my Mm -hmm. grandmother was in Palestine working for the BBC 
the British Broadcasting. And when the war hit, they were moved out of the country and somehow ended up in Kuwait. Mm -hmm. And when they got to Kuwait, her extensive knowledge in broadcasting uh, allowed her to start working in Kuwait's broadcasting station. But there were no women working at the time. So when they employed her, she was the first female voice to be heard on the radio. Wow, that is so cool. Yes, it's it's awesome. And she told me not too long long ago when I visited her, she lives in London now, but Mm -hmm. she said, men used to call in and say, get that woman off the phone. She sounds too sexy. Get her off the radio. (laughs) So it was really uncommon to hear a woman's voice. Yeah, that is crazy. How cool is that? And I love that it's an Arab woman that did this. You know, Mm -hmm. you you hear about these things, you know, women kind of paving the way. Mm -hmm. taking risks and yeah she did it and that's amazing way cool I love that and I like that you made that connection too like like in your own like way you're kind of like taking that on too I love that and like speaking of this like digital side because you're using like YouTube and your social media platforms Mm -hmm. to put this out how has social media played a role in interior design your business I know there's like a lot of facets to this but in general like how has it played a role now I like when I think about restaurants Mm -hmm. I'm going to them because oh it's beautiful and I want to take a picture like Mm -hmm. it's kind of funny which I'm sure wasn't the thing like even 10 years ago right that's a really good question I feel like there's so many parts to it Mm -hmm. but what it's allowed me to do is really share the behind the scenes Mm -hmm. of what we do as a business and I always say that there's really a ton of talented interior designers out there you know that there's no shortage of talent but I think what's missing is that next layer and social media really allows you to showcase your personality and so people are hiring you because they like what they see and they connect in some way and Mm -hmm. you actually end up with far more personal client relationships because of the platform Mm -hmm. it's also really allowed me to share things you typically can't see on a website Mm -hmm. right so even when you're in like the design process Mm -hmm. is that something that maybe clients are concerned about too like that like oh is this like picture worthy is that something that ever comes up 100% so the word instagrammable interiors <laughs> has been like seriously a buzzword in in interior design so we will we will have a lot of clients ask for those specific moments so mm-hmm. we obviously believe that they are necessary but I'll also say let's think about it in two ways there's mm-hmm. the first impression when you walk in we need to make sure as a whole it looks mm-hmm. good but then there's the little moments that people can capture mm-hmm. I've seen far too often like little vignettes that you see on Instagram and then you show up at the space and you're like, oh, yes. that's all there is, one wall. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you're talking about, like bamboozled. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So I think that's disappointing and it actually mm-hmm. leaves a poor lasting impression on the customer, mm-hmm. which means they probably won't come back. So I really fight for sustaining the business, not just mm-hmm. honoring the Instagrammable wall. But yeah. we do that. <laughs> we do do it. <laughs> I love that because then it's both ways. Like, yeah, you get like the instant satisfaction right. of like cool it's instagrammable and shareable but i feel like that's a little more like long lasting right too. so no matter what happens with social media yeah. it'll always be long standing that's so. correct yeah. i like that yeah. <laughs> and then speaking of the design process i guess what's like the best part for you gosh okay i want to say i enjoy it all the brainstorming session mm-hmm. at the very get-go so we usually have a kickoff meeting with the client where we spend two to four hours really just soaking up all the knowledge from them mm-hmm. asking them questions um, challenging them too you know asking things that they had never considered with their business mm-hmm. um, and then internally we'll have a brainstorming session that's really not um, 
planned or agenda-based. We just mm -hmm. sit there with a whiteboard and free-flow ideas. It is so much fun. So once that phase is done, really it's a lot of technical stuff that happens. And it's mm -hmm. not stuff that I share because it's really not of interest to anyone, but we actually have to transform all those ideas into physical drawings that you know we could submit to the city and that the contractor can price out mm -hmm. and can build off of. So there's all of that, which is the chunk in the middle of the process. And then at the very end, you've got all the finishing touches. So we're out on site, we're making sure everything's being built the way we've designed it, and then we're installing furniture. So I would say beginning and end, best two parts. <laughs> That's amazing. You have focused a lot on like bars and restaurants, more hospitality. Mm -hmm. Was there a specific reason why like you just kind of like, is that something you just gravitated more toward? Yeah. So I actually just answered this question today for, for a news article, but um, have you heard of the book, Find Your Why? Yeah. yeah. So I, I went through that exercise last year because okay. I knew I wanted to do bars and restaurants, but I, mm -hmm. I wanted to find out, like get to the bottom of it and mm -hmm. find out why. I was so passionate about this and really what came out of it was that my fondest memories were dinner at a table with friends or family just having really good conversation forgetting about our phones not even looking at them because you're in the moment mm -hmm. and in this busy world I feel like those moments don't happen very often so I'm really just trying to replicate that feel-good memory a million times over. That's amazing. <laughs> and then along with the business side too, something you told me that kind of changed the way um, that you're doing business is the quote, nothing changes if nothing changes. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, I got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I've heard this before, but somehow there was like a aha moment uh, late last year where I read the quote and I thought, if I'm going to tackle the new year, 2019, with a different perspective, then mm -hmm. things have got to change. So I kind of outlined all my daily tasks all my you know big vision ideas and really challenged myself to change each one of those areas some of the most substantial things I did was hire a business coach um, who was part business coach part life coach though that's not what she is it it is just a part of the process mm -hmm. what holds us back oftentimes most people and they don't realize it is personal blocks and that actually prevents us from moving forward or living to our truest and you know most capable self mm -hmm. and so working with a business coach has really allowed me to kind of tackle those personal blocks that were were happening mm -hmm. um, so I would say that was that was the first thing um, second was I started to really listen to my clients and hear the language they use as opposed to the nomenclature or the language that we use mm -hmm. and I think oftentimes as industry professionals we always want to sound smart but really what's happening is you're intimidating people because they can't connect with that language so I revamped the entire website to speak to the client specifically. Mm -hmm. The website is not about me at all. Mm -hmm. It's about the client. And I think that changed a lot of the dynamic of conversations or potential clients calling in for more information. And I feel like that ties in perfectly into like our digital side too, because website is huge. Like without, like that's a lot of the time the first impression that people get. So if it's right. not speaking to the client, then it's kind of like, hmm, like, so that's really cool. Yes. Can you think of anything like specific that you did in those changes? Yes. So there is a book called Story Brand by Donald Miller, mm -hmm. and he talks a lot about how to talk specifically to your desired client um, so a lot of it is really pointing out first and foremost the pain point and for me um, the pain point is the hospitality industry is saturated 
as a client, you don't want to blend into the crowd. You want to stand out and we're here to make you stand out. And so that's kind of the introduction to, you know, why you're here. Mm -hmm. Next thing we did was really change our package options. I think you have to make things really simple for for anybody, really, for Mm -hmm. us as well. But I think our language was always so convoluted and boring and long and messy. And so we simplified it and we said, we have three options based on where you are with your business. You can engage us in one, two, or all three. That's totally up to you. I think that's like a golden nugget right there. (laughs) Simplify, speak to your audience. I think that's perfect and relatable to probably most industries too. My demographic is a lot of people who are graduating college, starting a new job, or maybe thinking about a new career or like women that have like side hustles. So organization is a huge thing. And I feel like you like running a business, like having so many projects and clients, is there like something you do to stay organized, like a tip you could share Mm -hmm. um, to try to manage all these different things so you don't get too overwhelmed? I would say Asana. Love Which Asana. Is, yes, <laughs> that I think keeps us on track. So Can you explain what Asana is? Yeah, so uh, Asana is a project management tool, I guess is the best way to put it, but it's a glorified to-do list that you can separate by project type. Um, you can also assign it to team members and communicate with them if you're not in the same office or if you're working remotely. So our, our um, habit now is to come in and pull up Asana to see what the plan is for the day. And what I will do is at the start and end of the week, I will evaluate the to-do list for all team members and make sure that our whole week is scheduled out. And mm-hmm. I think that that was game changing. Yeah. yeah. Love the organization. Yeah. <laughs> With your firm, I know you do design it forward. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about what that is and why that started? Sure. So design it forward is our way of paying it forward. We gift our interior design services to one innovative food and beverage concept in the Valley. So right now we're concentrated in the greater Phoenix area, but hopefully in the future we can expand beyond that. So this is our third year running the program and the application process is actually open right now. So we open open it up to all food and beverage concept owners, whether they have an existing concept or are thinking of starting one. And then we have a group of celebrity judges that select the winner and the winner gets our services pro bono. That is awesome. So how did that first come about? Like, yeah, So when I first started my business, I had zero clients and I locked myself up. I mean, this is like, we're talking week one of FJI being born. Um, I locked myself up in the office and I contacted literally everyone I had crossed paths with in the design industry. So I had been in the industry for 12 years prior. Mm-hmm. And within a week, I had five projects on my desk and I could not believe it because I was I was starting to kickstart things. It was amazing. So I was part of a mastermind group at the time and I, I said, you know, I'm stumped. I want to thank these people and I've already sent thank you cards, but it's nowhere near enough. They, they don't realize how impactful this is for my life, my business, my family. And so the idea of pro bono work came up and it was thrown around and I kind of disregarded it at first because I thought pro bono, gosh, no, I don't have time for that. But, but then I kind of had a little moment <laughs> and I was like, you know what? No, I need to do this. This is my gift to people. People help me. I should help people. And that's how Design It Forward was born. I love that. That's yeah. so cool. Going back to like some of your other projects, mm-hmm. is there a moment, and this could be like at FGI or even before, so like mm-hmm. during a project or something that didn't work out that you learned from that now you know you took something away from that, if that okay. makes sense. Yes. 
One comes to mind, I'm sure there's many, but this is Mm -hmm. just top of mind. This was actually when I started the business. I was always under the impression that design had to control every aspect of the interior. Mm -hmm. Um, But I started working with a lot of talented tradesmen that produce a lot of our stuff. And because I was so busy, I started giving them the freedom to come up with a solution, Mm -hmm. share with me so that I can approve it, and then we can move forward. And when that happened, I realized oh my gosh, the project is so much better when 20 brilliant heads come together versus two or one. So I would say really rely on your network and trust the best of the best to produce their work and try to let go of a little control. And then we know design is all about creativity and kind of seeing things that people don't some of the, most of the time. Mm-hmm. For someone who maybe like they want to get into a field like this or any or sort of like creative field, but they feel like they can't tap into their creativity. Mm-hmm. Like, is there anything you do to like spark the inspiration? Take a vacation. <laughs> I'm serious. I think that anytime, actually, it's when I'm in the shower, not on my phone, not being distracted or talking with anyone that the greatest ideas come. So I think I would say stop trying to live a busy, busy life and give yourself some time to just free flow. But really creativity is just a connection of different bits of information that you've collected from different um, industries and different places. So I would say just find out where your interests are and kind of explore those areas and Mm -hmm. creativity will spark. I love that. So what I know you said um, going and taking vacation. So that leads me to ask, so does travel, is that something that inspires you in your designs or like what? Yes, 100%. I think that's part of why food and beverage is big for me. Growing up, my dad had a lot of business trips throughout Asia. So we traveled there quite a bit. And then later in life, it was Europe. And there are just so many cultures and types of food that I want to see everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so I'm I'm really interested in not just the front of house, but what's happening in the back kitchen Mm -hmm. and how the food is made and how it's sourced. And yeah, so travel, definitely. Very cool. I love that. I know a lot of people struggle with maybe like confidence to like suggest new ideas Mm -hmm. or maybe something that's out of the box for the client, but be a really good idea. Mm -hmm. So how do you go about that? Or was it something like you became more confident in as you did or? Or how does that, like, do you have any that's, tips or advice on that? That's a really good question. And I, yes, I have an answer for that. <laughs> so when when I first started, I was actually timid to put out, um, you know, let's call them wilder ideas that are just out of the box. So what I would do is I would present the client with two options, a safe option and a out of the box option. And it was kind of my way of, you know, appeasing them regardless of the situation. Now I feel more confident sharing something more out of the box because of experience, but also because I've removed myself from feeling any kind of hurt if someone has a comment, because this is just, this is work and we're trying to produce the best product possible and if I remove myself from the equation it makes it easier to say hey we're talking about the project right now and if I have really good reasons for my decisions then 
it, it helps me stand in my space and say it proudly and confidently. Favorite project you've ever worked on? Ah, I know that's probably really hard. I'm sure they're all Can awesome. I say the next one? Yeah. I don't know what it is, but that's going to be my favorite project. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And that actually ties into my next question. Yeah. So what are you most excited about for FGI, the industry? Like, what are you looking forward to as we go into the second half of 2019 and beyond? Yeah. So um, we have... this something I should have said earlier, but by having access to things like Pinterest, we now have access to design from all over the world. And Australia keeps coming up for us as an aesthetic that we are madly in love with. Um, And so our hope is that we can push some of that. Um, And what we're going to do about this is I had made a promise to my team that if we had certain goals by the second quarter that we would all go to Australia. And this is the first time I'm releasing it publicly, but we did hit the goal and we are going to Australia. (laughs) That is so cool. That is amazing. A working girl talk exclusive. Yes, it is. Heard it here first. Um, That is amazing. I love that. So we're taking this trip um, in November, I think is when it's happening. But we, we hope to kind of take everyone along the journey and show them people that have kind of pushed the boundary and I think that Arizona is fully capable we've already got the talent there's amazing food amazing chefs amazing resources and farms and yeah we just need to take design up a notch a little I love that very cool that is so fun I love that too because I think sometimes in any industry sometimes you kind of get in your own bubble a little bit and you don't know what else is out there but I think having like that perspective is always good and refreshing too yes and last one before we headed to the rapid fire round if somebody wants to get into the interior design field what's something that they can do now to prepare them to get into that field or that at least like looks good trying Mm -hmm. to get into that field during college I would say um, you've got plenty of time so experience as many firms as you can to figure out what type of design you want to be involved in Mm -hmm. there's generally there's commercial and residential and within commercial there's a slew of things I mean there's food and beverage there's hospitality there's workplace design so experiment with it all and find out where you're happiest and that way when you graduate you can you know spend 40 hours of your week at a place you love. (laughs) Yes, I love that. We need more of that. (laughs) Awesome. So we're going to head into our rapid fire round. So basically, it'll either be like a fill in the blank or like an either or. I'm nervous. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) And if you want to like elaborate on feel free. So this is kind of just like the fun round. So we're going to start with texting or calling. (laughs) (laughs) That was supposed to be the simple. Oh, texting. (laughs) I like it. Something I do every day is fill out my five minute journal on my phone. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Okay, now I'm going to go on a tangent here. Uh-oh. So, do you feel like that changes like the whole outlook of your day? Like, 100%. Yeah. And if anyone's not aware of what five minute journal is, it's just a journal that you can get physically or in app form. But you fill out uh, the start of your day and the end of your day. And you start by saying what you're grateful for and you end kind of evaluating the day. So, I think you're always like waking up and going to bed very grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you're living more in the moment. I love that. Yeah. Very cool. Heels or flats? Heels. Love. On weekdays. <laughs> the clarification. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, after a long work day, mm-hmm. I blank to wind down. Workout. 
<laughs> That's kind of an oxymoron, but yes, I woke up to wind down. Awesome. A favorite podcast resource book that has really like impacted you? I would say Story Brand by Donald Miller. The book really impacted the way I handled my business this year. And then the best advice I ever got was... Okay, I think the best... This is going to sound cliche because I know you've heard it before, but... I've been told many times to do what I love mm-hmm. by my dad specifically. So that kind of, you know, gives you the confidence to do it. But I think it's really true. If you don't like what you do, you won't be putting forward your best effort. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Love that. <laughs> and then last one, I am motivated by my family. Love that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, doll. That yeah. was amazing. Thank I you. love it. You asked amazing. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Dala. You can follow her company at fji.design on Instagram and her personal Instagram page at i.am.dala. Make sure to check out their website as well and see everything they're up to. Before you go, my Friday favorite this week is actually Dala's IGTV videos. She is someone who's really utilized the who has really utilized that platform, which is a little bit rare on the Instagram app. She gives awesome advice for anyone in the hospitality industry and her videos are super informative. So definitely check it out on her Instagram for FJI Design. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked today's episode, please leave a five-star review in the podcast app to ensure that Working Girl Talk keeps spreading to all my working girls out there. Thanks so much. Talk to you next week.